0: Hey there, this is Laurie again giving you a tiny little mini solo intro just to explain that the episode here was originally planned to be on YouTube but has instead been moved to our podcast channel. So sorry again for mentions of YouTube throughout this What We've Been Watching episode, but don't worry, still four randomly chosen great movie reviews for your listening pleasure. Okay, on with the show. So, Laurie, what movies have you got? I've got two. I'm going to do The Transporter 2002, the original one, Jason Statham. Jason t- Statham. Take kicks it to the curb, and also Chef, jo- uh, John Favreau's I Vanity know, Project. He, yeah, we'll do that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to review.
1: I'm going to review a documentary called Can't We Take a Joke? Mm, funny. Well, we have to wait and see. And then also, I'm going to do. I'm going to keep up with the the, the Twilight Saga review. Twilight Eclipse.
0: Very good. That's number three, isn't it? Yep, number three. Oh, I'm sure people are very excited about that. <laughs> Why don't I start again this week, eh?
1: Yeah, which one are you going to go with
0: first? I'll start with The Transporter. That's a good bit of fun, I would say. So this is, oh yeah, The Transporter. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind transporting something for me. No questions asked. Why not? From the maker of The Professional and La Femme Nikita. Once we make a deal, the terms of that deal are going be changed or renegotiated. Frank Martin is the best in the business. 75000 Half now, half on delivery. He never made a mistake. Until today.
1: What kind of day am I
0: in? Deep travel.
1: You know what to do. He's the quiet. Why'd you try to kill me? You broke the rules. You opened the package.
0: Yeah, Jason Statham as, a, well, a sort of high priced courier with a unique set of skills. Who oh, will find you? <laughs> courier, yeah. Isn't that what they call them? A courier? Curl? Courier. Yeah, yeah courier. courier. It's a, a C O U, courier. <laughs> Come on, man. You're It's you not know like a saying. Japanese dish. No, go- <laughs> <laughs> it'll be good yeah, let's not do this alright um, this is I, I kind of want to say Jason Statham's proper breakout role isn't it yeah was it not Crank or Crank come afterwards no I think Crank was later than this he'd already been in Lock, Stock and Snatch at this point but kind of as an ensemble guy whereas he was absolutely the main thing in this case and I've got to say Phil right at the top I did quite enjoy this film did you I, yeah it makes no apologies about it's B-movie status right down to the way it's filmed the music choices, and the kind of acting on display. And, you know, listeners, the plot is, his job is to get a package from A to B. People call this guy up, he's off the grid a little bit, and he'll deliver anything, no questions asked. He's known for being reliable, getting the job done, and not breaking his code, which is all about not using names, not ever looking at the package, just doing the job he's paid to do. Quite a reliable sort of bloke to have, if you're doing dodgy dealings. (laughs) And And the fact that it's Jason Statham with a shaved head stubble, and amazing kung fu skills <laughs> only adds to that and yeah the plot is more or less that one of his packages he ends up looking at it breaking his rule and turns out classic to, yeah a beautiful young lady and problems ensue. he ends up on the wrong side of a dodgy group of people and it's kind of one man not exactly pursuing justice but one man trying to cover his own tracks and do sort of the right thing it's a bit like Michael Clayton but like the uh, the action movie version I hear what you're saying actually <laughs> They couldn't be more different films, but I know where you're coming from. I really love Jason Statham in this man. I think for whatever you know, he's got the strangest accent probably in the world. It's sort of British, but not really British. Just gravel. It's very odd. I think he's compelling. I think like when he's on screen. I sort of believe that he's the guy that he's being. He's an odd mix of things. We happen to know he was a professional diver. <laughs> not... Yeah,
1: that is crazy. That's all I can think whenever I see Jason I know, Jason right? Beckham.
0: So he's got the physique and he's also gravelly. Like he suited the lock stock thing. I, I think he's such an odd mix of characteristics that just suit him to this kind of slightly B-movie, high concept action films, right? It's not that high concept, but it's approaching that sort of... It's a solid like, concept, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think there are a couple of sequences that really make this worth your time. I... I don't think the violence is extreme at all. In fact, it's, it's very tame. And in fact, the guy goes out of his way not to kill people whenever he can help it. And instead, the focus is more on almost Jackie Chan-like choreography. Not, you know, much, much less flair. But there's a lot of cleverness to the way that things move. You know, there's people getting their hands tied. It's environment stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He grabs something off uh, off the floor or makes the use of his surroundings and to do clever things. He does some great roundhouse kicks that Jean-Claude Van Damme, I'm sure, even would be impressed by. Yeah. Huh. And he does it all with a kind of weird intensity that belies the fact that he knows, as well as you know, that this is all total, totally ridiculous.
1: You made me watch a scene from the movie. Are you going to talk about that scene?
0: Yeah, I almost want to try and play that soundtrack beneath this because I, it's such a unique... I think it's such a unique bit of cinema. I'm not going to go all picture-perfect on you here, Phil, and go over the top. But there's a scene where he disc—he basically gets double-crossed at one point, And as he discovers it, just such an amazing... A, a array of things happen in one sequence where the soundtrack is completely consistent and it's this if I have found it, it's playing underneath it's almost kind of jokey uh, it's not it doesn't fit into any genre of music that I can think of it's got no swells it's got no crescendos it's completely flat and lets the action do the talking and in fact what it does instead is serves it up as a way to connect everything and make you feel like this is the transporter's bread and butter. This is why he gets paid the big bucks, and it's why he survives so long. Just This is what he does. So you get to watch him doing all the flair while the music is completely flat. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I remember watching it, and I think, for me, what was interesting about this this music choice was it just meant that you could enjoy the action without... It's not about peril. It's not about some no, of no, danger. No. It's just about, this is cool.
0: Not even drama. It's just about the business of getting these things done, and the light-hearted tone of it helps you to enjoy it and recognise that... The whole film knows it's funny. And there are just a couple of things in it that just crack me up. Like, I love the fact that the very beginning of this scene starts with him uh, going to an Orangina machine. <laughs> Orangina, why? <laughs> and getting a Pepsi out of it for no reason. And then and a at- straw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what? Well, yeah, no. And then walking back to his car. It was quite a, quite a brave shot over the shoulder. A single shot, you see the car explode in front of it. And that probably was quite hard to film, I'd say. It gets thrown back. And his immediate reaction seeing his car get blown up before he gets to it. It's to throw his can of Pepsi to the floor in disgust. Do you remember that? Yeah, His immediate reaction while one of his arms is on fire is to slam it to the ground. It's such a good reaction. And then it's immediately followed up by him kicking down a door. And it was just shot and storyboarded in such a way it cracked me up. I, I thought it was a brilliant sequence. And, you know, the plot is nonsense, very predictable. Don't go in there looking for drama. I think go in there for what can legitimately, genuinely be called a slightly airheaded action spectacular it's great did you have fun i really had a lot of fun and i think i give it a b plus it can't hit the a's because it's not attempting to get into the a's it's a b movie it's a b movie literally <laughs> but it's right at the top end i thought it was good no surprise all the sequels and jason statham's career from it yeah yes
1: <laughs> does it make that you want to <laughs> be gravelly for now. <laughs> i don't yes. know i've lost all my breath does it make God. you want to
0: see some more jason statham films jason statham can you do an impression of him this guy was kind of like Jason Statham. But he's more like, he's got a smoother tone to his voice. I can't quite figure yeah. it out. He's kind of softly
1: spoken, but with gravel. <laughs> Such
0: a weird voice, but it worked for me, man. Anyway, that was fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with the the more serious end of my two movies. Um, it's uh, Twilight
0: being the final one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's funny, though, because it's a more serious, serious movie about something funny. Uh huh. Very nice. You know what's you know what's really great is when you explain a joke. Yeah,
0: and looking at the structure of comedy, Phil. There's nothing funnier. That just makes you laugh even more because you (laughs) appreciate it more, don't you? And you can turn to your friend or pause the TV and maybe explain the joke to them.
1: (laughs) So this movie is can't we just take a joke?
0: If you think you have the right not to be offended, um, either change your parameters of what offends you, or uh, or just realize you're wrong. I've always refused to apologize for a joke. There's a lot of people out there whose job it is to be offended for other people. It's almost like people have gotten soft. It's the duty of a comedian to find out where the line is drawn and deliberately cross over. If you're
1: easily offended, please don't come to a comedy show.
0: When they start going for the comedians, everyone else needs to sweat. This play was specifically designed to offend everyone. And then the I'm offended is changed into You're gonna die. They were calling me Black Hitler because the Jews weren't safe. The blacks weren't safe.
1: Uh, so that's a clip from it. Uh, it's actually called Can We Take a Joke? Sorry, my mistake. Same difference. I oh, was just joking.
0: <laughs> oh, oh I'm sorry, I won't do that again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so this film is a documentary kind of looking at the current state of comedy and our PC nature of our society right Western now. Western society and Western particularly comedy. Particularly America, yeah. it's it's all about America and, and, you know, most countries in Europe have um, hate speech as part of their uh, limitations on freedom of speech. America doesn't have any of that and it kind of really? highlights that. Yeah, so it's got lots of um, talking heads, lots of comedians, quite well-known comedians, maybe not to sort of general audience. It's not Michael McIntyre sort of people. It's yeah, yeah. kind of obscure. Fans of comedy will definitely know who they are. Okay, Phil Jupiter, that sort of level, but in America, if you know me. Sure, what I mean. sure, yeah. Um, it, I really wanted to like it. I've watched the trailer for this film. Uh, I rented it from iTunes um, so I could watch it. Uh, it was a bit disappointing as a documentary. It's not very long. It's only about an hour and 15 minutes. And it seems to be that they have an agenda and they aren't even willing to consider the uh, the opposing view really yeah that's
0: the, that's the straight up bias
1: yeah basically the film is all about comedians and the com- how comedians have started to get into trouble the the trouble they're having on college campuses is the as and, and all really around what is comedy what do stand up comedians do are they there to cross boundaries and sort of challenge our our understanding of the world and sort of poke fun at the things which we're afraid of and things like that um it's very much taking comedy as this sort of art form which is all about kind of subverting values so that we understand things better um and and they're saying if you're going to do that properly then comedians especially need to have freedom of speech to kind of say anything they want without it kind of ruining their careers and things like that
0: well that, i mean as you said that is quite a controversial point that you should just be allowed to say whatever you want right and this is what's frustrating you that they don't really seem to even consider that well they they
1: they present a, they do present a good argument but the thing is any sort of documentary film you'd expect them to sort of take a little bit of a reflection onto themselves and say is it are we entitled to really make jokes about sort of uh, natural disasters are we entitled to make jokes about AIDS and 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 sort of these really serious topics like rape and things like that is that something which people should be able to talk about and and kind of almost get a free pass on if they're trying to be funny um they the film is best when it's talking about a particular comedian lenny bruce he's a comedian that was uh kind of at the forefront of stand-up comedians being like they are now which is sort of talking about difficult subjects talking about sort of more complex things rather than doing the bada boom jokes it's kind of reflecting on life and talking about um difficult things so this comedian he was kind of around in the the early uh, early part of the century. And he was actually a community who got brought up on obscenity tra- uh, charges for the things he was saying. So he actually went to prison because of the language he was using. Wow, and really? Like that. pretty yeah, serious. yeah, And so, like, it talks about him being at comedy shows and the police were there waiting for him to say something so that they could throw him in jail and things like that. Whoa. And it's talking about this idea that, like, all this stuff this guy went through just to tell jokes, really, um, which is really interesting and really kind of like, oh, yeah, we kind of take it for granted that, like, Frankie Boyle and things will just say whatever they want and but imagine if they were saying those things with the police officers right there ready to take them into jail yeah it's kind of crazy to think about that um and of course it addresses like charlie hebdo and things like that and just sweet charlie but it's so frustrating because it's kind of like they're preaching to the choir rather than challenging your thoughts it's more of
0: a self-justification than it is an exploration you mean
1: yeah and and it's kind of like it doesn't even really address the idea of bad taste you know what i mean you could say these things but they are bad taste jokes but yeah they that seem... is
0: one of the trickiest things as well because bad taste is a knife edge thing it can, you can slip off either side very and easily. exactly
1: and the thing is is like there's very little handing out like i mean one of the comedians says she's never ever going to apologize for a joke she'll never apologize for a shake and sometimes you just say something which isn't very funny. I mean, one of the most interesting things that they say is like you can say anything you want as long as it's funny. That's that's Richard Pryor said that. Um, okay, and I and I kind of agree. Like if you can, I I kind of experienced this in my own life. There's some one of my friends says things that are just outrageous. But if you're laughing, it's kind of like yeah, okay. Then they've obviously hit something. Well, they've landed it sort of thing. But if you're not laughing at it it kind of, you can't really justify saying it.
0: Well, so my question would be, the comedians who are on there, they've obviously, if there's bias attached, then they've obviously chosen people who support whatever the filmmaker's agenda is, right? And, I don't know, we were talking about this separately, Phil, from the documentary. I have recently found any kind of satirical or agenda or pointed humour impossible to enjoy. I can't handle it because of the the battering that you receive from everyone's opinions everywhere, on the news, on social media, in the newspapers, everywhere. You cannot avoid outrage, injustice, opinions, wherever you go. I, <laughs> The only real comedy I'm interested in is stuff that's entirely trivia and things that appreciate the absurdity of life rather than make a political point do they talk about that kind of comedy at all or not? No, they don't talk about the fact like,
1: oh, when you're hoovering, you do it like this. <laughs>
0: like there's none of that sort See, of stuff. See, I find that annoying because I think that's a false dichotomy. What It sounds as though these guys want to say, hey, we're just doing comedy, right? But actually they're not. Actually, they've occupied a very specific niche of comedy.
1: They're on the front lines. This is the thing. Comedy is art form as something which is soci- so- socially necessary yeah. kind of push and challenge boundaries and kind of... Tackle like uh, things. Well, I, and it's I think one of the
0: ways. I mean, this is why it's sorry, Phil. I mean, I didn't watch this film, <laughs> but even grief is a really interesting thing because one of the reactions to grief and ways of coping with difficult situations is to laugh at them. But it's not to poke fun or make a point about stuff. It's to appreciate the absurdity of things that are unavoidable or things that are, you know, when you look at something just the way it is. To be able to laugh at the way we react to things and to, to somehow bring humour to a situation because it's always present. There's always something to laugh at in every situation. So to bring it out as a good thing when the comedy is attacking something, I think that's very different. And it, it sounds like I would really hate this documentary. Is I think where I'm going. I think
1: yeah. So I was kind of like on on board with most of their kind of the the trailer kind of gives a, a sort of sentiment that you think oh Yo, yeah that's I'm I'm on board with that. I can I can get behind that. But the actual film just a very long drawn out yeah we should be able to say whatever we want sort of thing yeah. And like yeah aren't these people awful? And the thing is it so easily could have sidestepped that as an issue if they just addressed. Yeah, when it has gone wrong, when they have said stuff that they should have said. Um, I will give a little warning to those who might want to watch the documentary. Um, it's because it's talking about obscene things and the fact that comedians kind of want to challenge and push boundaries and things like that. There's a lot of bad language, a lot of bad taste jokes in it, like, sure, which yeah. I think, which I didn't really find funny. Like, um, But it does make an interesting point. Like, we're we're happy to laugh at things which aren't to do with us, but then the only thing that offends us are the things which are close to home, basically. And you can't pick and choose things that you find offensive.
0: Okay. And technically, as a documentary, how is it? I mean, does it do... Has it got good features? Has it got good historicity? all that sort of stuff?
1: I think the the Lenny Bruce stuff is really interesting. And it's a guy I had never heard of, but who obviously for lots of comedians, it pays a lot of respect. Um, And it does address kind of quite a lot of contemporary issues and cases like Charlie Hebdo and what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. But I think it's quite shallow in its uh, actual documentary process the fact that there's no real counter argument presented or or challenge which they kind of overcome they just think they're right and that's that's kind of what you've got to deal with and so it's quite an interesting topic i find comedy and stand-up comedians interesting they're quite they're very experienced talkers so they talk well about yeah subjects. good storytellers yeah exactly but uh but yeah it's, it, it left me lacking it left me lacking it left me wanting for a bit more what bit.
0: grade would you give it probably
1: a C plus really that's quite yeah low. I, I was a bit let down especially because I, I paid for it, for it. Yeah. yeah that's it Um, but anyway hey hey ho
0: hey hey ho <laughs> oh well thank you very much man good one Uh, okay my next movie is Chef let me say this is madness huh mm-hmm. there's carne asada check it out wow Chef Big Dog up all night cooking shut up and taste this um, amuse douche come here guys look at that you like it yeah like we're gonna cook it. like this we're being reviewed by the most important critic in the city. Now suddenly you're gonna be an artist. Well, be an artist on your own time. It's my restaurant. The kitchen is my domain. That was our deal. The deal has now changed. Either you stay or you go. So you're threatening to fire me now? No, I'm telling you what I'm prepared to do if you don't cook my menu. It's up, it's, it's up the go. reviews out. His dramatic weight gain can only be explained by the fact that he must be eating all the food sent back to the kitchen you didn't like what they wrote about you. I didn't like it either. Who cares? I do, because I could have done better. I should have cooked food that I was gonna cook. There are chefs that cook food that they believe in, and people will try because they're open to a new experience, and they'll end up liking it. You realize how many people have read this? You're trending, bro. You're never going to be happy cooking for someone else. Takeover!
1: Food truck's a great idea. We're talking about a white-on-white 88 Chevy Grumman food truck. It's a blank canvas for your dreams. I'm going to have him pull it around.
0: Thank you. Don't thank me till you see it. I get to touch people's lives with what I do, and I love it. And I want to share this with you. This is an interesting movie. So it's about a guy who's uh, previously been quite an edgy chef, successful, so successful that he's ended up being the chef in residence of a fairly well-to-do Uh, Los Angeles restaurant owned by
1: Dustin Hoffman
0: (laughs) yeah Dustin Hoffman plays the owner in this case and there's a day when uh, a well-known food blogger is going to come to John Favreau's restaurant and he's going to review the dishes and he's going to prepare like this new menu they haven't they've been doing the same thing for ages so he's going to do like this new menu and then the kitchen owner comes in Dustin Hoffman and says look this is my restaurant You're my chef. I can't exactly remember the line, but he says something along along the lines of when people go and see the Rolling Stones, they want to hear the hits. They don't want to go and hear their obscure back catalogue. So this restaurant's got a good reputation. Play the hits. Do the menu that people come for. And of course, Phil, what happens? This is what happens when you challenge artists, Phil, with their artistic sensibilities. They're better people than you. And mm. when they say, let's do something, you just do what they say. Because even the best businessman with the most successful restaurant doesn't have a clue what he's doing, okay? <laughs> yeah. you got that message? Yeah, yeah. So, of course, the food blogger turns up and he gives a very terrible review saying, oh, this guy was one of my early food heroes and he just played such a dull menu and He's tweeting it out terrible. as he eats it, isn't he? That's he's what, sorry? Is he tweeting it as yeah, he, does he does it? Yeah, he live tweets while he goes on, but he also writes a blog. We don't discover the tweets until later. And then the next day when he comes in, his chefs, his sous chefs turn up and are like oh who cares about twitter forget twitter and he's like what what are you talking about what, what's on twitter what's twitter and we discover that this chef doesn't really know what twitter is hasn't been keeping on top of twitter his son helps him discover what twitter is and he realizes that everyone's been retweeting this blog because also that's what happens in the world as well everyone pays attention to food blogs and the minute that something like this happens it goes viral <laughs> and someone gets a bad review isn't that right yeah, Phil? yeah, yeah. that happens definitely and so his son helps him. He's depressed by all this Twitter stuff. He starts a feud with this food critic, uh, who, in he is played by Oliver Platt. And they go back and forth. And he manages to sort of anger this food critic into coming back, where he's going to dazzle him with the new menu, finally. And then, of course, what happens is uh, that Dustin Hoffman comes in again.
1: Shuts him down.
0: Yeah, yeah. And in fact, fires him on the spot. The guy leaves. So he never gets a chance to dazzle him with this fresh, amazing new menu. The food critic's like, "What happened? I guess he wasn't big enough for the fight after all." And you can see it. The chef goes from to rock bottom. He's plateaued, and now he's uh, now he's out of a job, can't support his, his son, and everything's going wrong for him. He, he's divorced as well to Sofia Vergara, of course, because John Favreau in his later years, I can easily imagine him going out with someone yeah. like Sofia <laughs> Vergara. Not only that, but being married to them and having a kid with them. Uh, but and she seems to be the best ex wife ever. She just wants him to succeed and loves him and loves having him round and loves chatting to him on the phone. They have a great deep understanding.
1: They have a great relationship they do, when they're not in a relationship. even though they're ex-husband yeah.
0: Yeah, and wife. Uh, and she says that you need to sort of go back to your roots and you need to pick yourself up. And wouldn't you know it, the root is he gets a food van and rediscovers everything that made him passionate about food in the first place. I don't think I've given any, anything away there, have I? You sort of need <laughs> to know Just the first that. act. <laughs> yeah, but you kind of need to know that to appreciate the kind of film it is. And, you know, listeners, in short, I didn't really like this film. I think what it really wants to be in the lighting and the composition of the movie, including the soundtrack and the style of dialogue, which is almost improvised, it's quite a sort of fast-talking script, there's not a lot of carefully crafted scenes, it wants to be an artistic small movie telling a great and inspiring story. But But it's with the biggest Hollywood budget ever, you think. Yeah, and it's littered with celebs. So you've got Dustin Hoffman. Jon Favreau himself is very well known and recognised. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr., who plays a really bizarre character. That's his ex-wife's ex-husband. And you've also got John Leguizamo. I can't remember. I don't know whether I pronounced that correctly. He played Tybalt in uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, and he's the voice of Sid. Yeah, in Ice Age, and Bobby Cannavale, who's in Ant Man as the police new husband guy, and who What did you say?
1: He's in the station agent. He's in Blue Jasmine as well. These guys
0: are big actors. They're and regular actors. They're
1: appearing all the time
0: in it's these. So recognisable, of movies, yeah. big stars all over it, and and even beyond that, I think it's a it's a Hollywood story encased in fake. A, you know, it's like an allegory, clothing. isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's the worst allegory in the world. I think he has previously said it's got nothing to do with this, but listeners, it's such a metaphor for the guy's Hollywood career. It's almost sickening because he started with Swingers, didn't he? Written and directed and starring?
1: Yeah, yeah, with Vince Vaughan.
0: Yeah, brilliant movie, fast talking, very unique, and, and it won lots of plaudits for being very well crafted, unique, independent, all that kind of stuff. And of course, John Favreau moved quite far away from that. He did Iron Man, didn't he? Yeah, he directed Iron Man. He, before that, he directed Zathura. Yeah, yeah, the spa- like there's a sequel to Jumanji set in space. And he also did Cowboys versus Aliens. He's got a very interesting film catalogue. Which I'm afraid was a stinker. I mean, Daniel Craig as a cowboy. It had Harrison Ford in it, I think, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, that was a terrible movie, and quite rightly, I think, got slated. But it seems, if this movie, Chef, is anything to go by, it seems to have really dented the guy's confidence because he's made a movie all about how studios told him what to do and he did it and everyone hated it. And now he has to go back to his roots and make really cool, tiny films that feature major Hollywood stars. Scarlett Hansen who's in love with him. Yeah, exactly. Like... I forgot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the most... Oh, what on earth's going on? Not only yeah. Sofia Vergara, but Scarlett Johansson as well. Oh, unbelievable. And now he's directing Jungle Book. So I just don't... Yeah, I think... I wish I could disassociate Jon Favreau himself from this movie, and then I might have been able to cope with it. But it's just so annoying. And what's really frustrating is the way that it uses real-world things. And you start to think, if Jon Favreau really thinks the world is like this, then he's so disassociated from reality, it's not even funny.
1: He thinks he's got a harsh life, but his life is basically ideal, isn't it? Like, there's nothing goes wrong, really.
0: And not only that, but he thinks Chef is an artistic film. No, it's not. He also thinks that if you just somehow... its This is like people I've worked for, man. Some If you have a Twitter profile and a Facebook account, suddenly it'll be popular. It's like literally there's one point where his son posts a picture of their tiny little Cuban food van on Facebook and then the street is lined with people who cannot wait to try it out. And I, I as a marketing guy, I just hate that so much. <laughs> it feeds the lie. This is why marketing pros have a terrible time because some CEOs expect this to happen. Make Twitter happen. Yes, make Twitter happen. I'll go social. Make it viral. Because it's really cheap. We've got to make it viral. Yeah, (laughs) and I I just... The whole film drove me crazy and, like, the relationship with his ex-wife as well is just completely and utterly unbelievable. Like... I'm sorry, mate, I'm doing the thing that I've been accused of, which is just getting angry when I didn't like the film.
1: Well, I'm going to I'm gonna make you more angry. I quite like this film. I like enjoyed it? it. I'm not and angry
0: about that. There are things that should be really a lot of fun about it. And this is what I mean. I wish I could disassociate John Favreau from it.
1: Well, so I reckon I think the Achilles heel is the fact that John Favreau is in it and he's written it and he's directed it. If he took himself out of this movie... And had somebody else play his role. Yeah. The movie would have such a di- such a different feel. <laughs> um, seriously, though, I think if you get somebody like, I don't know, if Tom Hanks was in this role. Yeah. It would be such a different movie. It'd be so much more enjoyable because it's not about him. It's yeah. not about the, the, the wider context and things. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not about this sort of weird allegory for Hollywood. And it's also, it's not this sort of weird indulgence where... All the women in love with him, yeah, and they're all beautiful. And then, you know,
0: as far as resolutions go, it just, uh it just, it's slightly sickening by the end. But that's not to say it's completely unenjoyable. There are funny scenes in it. The kid does a great job, whoever the kid is. I'm sorry, I don't know the actor's <laughs> name, but he's very, very good in it, and he saves the film a little bit. And John Leguizamo, fantastic in it. I think he really nails. He's the sous chef in the truck trucker's name. Completely loyal, like to a fault. This <laughs> yeah. Guy. And, I, yeah, I mean, you'll you're criticise me for saying this, film, but I think John Leguizamo doesn't get enough credit for... His <laughs> he's doing fine. He's I a know, successful I actor. I, I think he's brilliant. And I just, I just thought he's better than the role that he played in this film, for sure. I
1: really think that there's lots in this film which is good and is getting it right, but the things which get it wrong, just so irritating. They poison I agree it, with
0: basically, that. so that it, it felt like a stinker to But
1: him. it looks great, doesn't it? Yeah. And, like, it's got a nice sort of rhythm to it.
0: I just think there are other films that, do this thing and do it much better and they don't rely on really annoying like the the way Twitter is present is quite sickening isn't it there's yeah it's so a nice Twitter. it's a ridiculous
1: version of it but it's a movie who cares yeah, it's a movie I'll what talking. grade would you give it
0: <laughs> I'm gonna give it a C man what I'm gonna I'm, I'm
1: gonna it? jump in and hijack it and say it's a
0: B you know I recommended the film to someone just the other day because I think if you're in a certain mood it's, it's fun fine. isn't it it's enjoyable there's nothing nice I just in can't it. take away um, yeah my feelings that's the problem <laughs> oh dear all right i better stop come on hit us with a fun review man
1: okay twilight new not new moon eclipse the sequel to new moon
0: isabella swan i promise to love you every moment forever she's still human the volturi don't give second chances why are you so against me becoming like you I know the consequences of the choice you're making. After a few decades, everyone you know will be dead. You wouldn't have to change for me, Bella. I'm in love with you and I want you to pick me instead of him. You have to consider the idea that I might be better for her than you are. Edward. She found us. I'll protect you, no matter what. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. I'm going to fight for you until your heart stops beating.
1: So, yes, this is the third film in the Twilight Saga. This is when it's starting to get its super sort of juggernaut status, even more so than New Moon. New Moon was kind of like, wow, we've had this sleeper hit, which has become a massive phenomenon. New Moon was kind of the, the kind of it's the next
0: step wasn't it it's suddenly broadening out and uh but you're like twilight almost uniquely doesn't even dip at all doesn't it? In it, it as the films are there it just continued to rise <laughs> you know, it's like this yeah.
1: giant like akira monster
0: almost like frightening like uh, hulk's dad in the film hulk <laughs> ballooning the big gas. out a big <laughs> yeah. horrifying monster yeah
1: um yeah so this is the uh the so edward and bella are back on great terms after new moon they're in oh, love what a relief they're I'm so loving glad. it i was but, so worried but of course, this has left Jacob in a bit of a what's going on? I thought I was in with Bella. Mm. Ooh, and Mr. Hot Wolf man.
0: He's so miserable. <laughs> he's
1: he's he's put a challenge to Edward, which is you better not go anywhere near Bella with your vampire fangs yeah, and yeah, turn yeah. her into a vampire. But of course, the Volturi, oh no, they've said you gotta turn her into a vampire. Like that's the deal. But choice. there's this sort of brewing tension then between Jacob, who represents the wolves, and Edward, who is the Cullen family, the vampires. And it's kind of this sort of weird love triangle all surrounding Bella.
0: Literally, the world is falling apart because of this stupid little girl. girl. (laughs) And
1: of course, on the backdrop of that is a returning evil woman from the past, from the first film, Victoria, is trying to get Bella because she got James, her lover. Yeah. (laughs) It's all going on, man. So you've got this kind of weird... Multi-threaded narrative, full of tension and angst. This is when the teen angst part of it really ramps up because there's not really any conflict until the final act. And it and it's all
0: sort of stares and half-spoken sentences and you know ideas, isn't it? And it kind Corruption.
1: of it, or the movie is just this sort of weird ooze. It doesn't really defy. I can't think of any particular parts of it, but it's just more of these sort of merging of things and like you've got this slight vague mystery about who's killing. Uh, who who's in the neighbourhood, who's in the forks and is trying to get at Bella but it's kind of, it's just, Bella doesn't seem that fussed about it really.
0: Do You know uh, Judith when I watched this with her fairly recently she pointed out to me and it's a good illustration of exactly what you're talking about that actually there's there's almost nothing that really happens it's whenever the vampire family were on screen in the Cullens where Bella was always hanging out with them she's like are they always all there? <laughs> and she made a really good point, literally the family just stand silently And all of them are always there in every scene, just standing around, doing nothing. (laughs) It's very weird, isn't it? Their their entire world, all of them, revolves entirely around Bella and her emotional state. It's just strange. And I think that's a really
1: good point. I think you have to give a bit of credit to Taylor Lautner himself, Mr. Downward (laughs) Downward Eyebrows, Uh,
0: this is uh, Jacob the Werewolf guy. Jacob
1: the Werewolf. Yeah, I think he kind of makes the film work in a weird sort of way. He does manage to convince you he's going through something, doesn't he? He's the only, he's the one who cuz Edward's a kind of stone-faced loser. Like which <laughs> is
0: what he's meant to yeah, be. Which not, is not a comment on Robert Pattinson. He
1: does a fine performance as usual. He doesn't he clearly doesn't really want to be there though. <laughs> we know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah not officially. It. <laughs> but then Taylor Lautner's giving it his all. He's kind of giving it a bit of energy and he has a bit of a character. He's got a bit of swagger to him and he's sort of constantly kind of saying, well, you better not do this or else to Edward. And Edward's like, I know, Jacob, shut up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was a line from the film, yeah. <laughs>
1: but like, it's all going on. And uh, he's he's got a bit of energy. He's always there with his, his shirt off, showing off his pecs and things. And it's just kind of, yeah, it's just more of the same. And you can see how if you've been hooked in by the first two films... This film really doesn't need to try much anymore.
0: I had to admit, my experience from watching the Twilight series all the way through recently was just that you have to get over the first 10 minutes or maybe even 15 minutes of all of these films where just about everything that is bad about them assaults you. <laughs> and then what, if you can get over that hurdle... Once it's you're fairly, inoculated. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly enjoyable nonsense. Like, the world is kind of fun to live in, but you get assaulted by the emo-ness of it very fast. Well,
1: yeah, I agree. Once, it's, once, once you're in it, it's just washing over you and you kind of get carried along. And it's still kind of fun. Good and soundtrack. And there's still a good kind well of indie shots. soundtrack. And there's yeah. still this kind of nice warmth in the in the wet forest. It's just kind of more of the same. Um. Yeah, it's a very odd instalment, and it
0: does feel like an American teen um drama TV series would have worked quite well with it. I have to say,
1: what like Teen Wolf, or whatever. Yeah, I
0: mean it's shot that way, like especially towards the end. There was a couple of scenes where they sort of stand surrounded by fairy lights and the lights are low. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. the American indie soundtrack comes on, and it, it could have been a scene from One Tree Hill or you know The OC. Do you know what I mean? Like. They would have made a lot of money out of it as well. Maybe that'll happen. The serialized Twilight.
1: Twilight, the TV show.
0: I think they could do it.
1: They could do it. All they need to do is make it about another little Cullen.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mate, we need to sell this. (laughs) (laughs) Treatment time. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Where's the, who made this film? I don't know. Let's get him on the phone. Do it. This is our idea, Sequel yeah. Sequel time. It's just me and you. Copyright. The Bailey Bros
0: <laughs> make Twilight. I think probably that's not a very original idea, I'll be honest with you right now, but still, let's do it. <laughs> Who cares? Edison didn't make the light bulb. He stole it from Tesla. We're gonna be That's not actually we'll be Edison, <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about that. Alright, well so any other comments on the movie itself?
1: Uh no, I think I've basically covered it. I think uh, they recast Victoria from the first movie. Did they? I think so, yeah, they did. I have
0: to admit, one of the things that I found creepy, and I think it is this movie where it comes out, and they're all slightly merging into one of my head, is some of the dynamics in the wolf clan come, you know, come to the front a bit more. And they are slightly troublesome, aren't they, thematically? Like, there's the wife who's got a big scratch on her face. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) Right? From her partner, who's a werewolf. And there's the whole imprinting thing, which is just
1: well that doesn't quite come up but, but they mention it don't they, they do mention like, it, it they start introducing up. they they sort of softly uh, launch it in this so, film yeah. so that you're ready for it later there's on there's some
0: slightly weird ideological stuff that comes in that if I was watching it with my daughter for example i would kind of want to challenge after the yeah. movie yeah. it
1: definitely means there's lots of teens who's like I've imprinted on her oh like, don't go she's, that way. she's mine yeah. I. she's the only one for me and it's just like no, no come on stop, silly please. boy <laughs> you're yourself. not a werewolf
0: <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> okay right there you go so uh, there you go
1: Grade is I think this is probably one of the weaker films it, it it flows along quite nicely and you've still got the money behind it So I don't
0: think it's the most boring just because <laughs> I recently saw part one of the fourth so yeah I'll save that for
1: later
0: <laughs> go on then great I'm
1: going to give this a B minus it's fine but okay. it's kind of fun
0: listen I hope you're enjoying our little Twilight series <laughs> so don't worry we won't do it every week but I'll uh, Phil or I will come back with uh, Breaking Dawn at some there's point. two
1: parts there we could share it out between us we could
0: drag it out for a whole episode no let's not do that <laughs> Uh, there we go, four films for you. I hope you enjoyed hearing about our thoughts on those and tell us what your opinions are as well. There's the comments section right below. There's email, superbaitybros at gmail.com and Twitter at superbaitybros and do make sure to subscribe and listen to the actual podcast that comes see, out like, every comment, Wednesday. Like, comment, subscribe. Like, comment, subscribe, that's right. <laughs> Superbaity as featured on YouTube, Twitter and, oh, I'm doing this badly, the World Wide Web, <laughs> the <laughs> interweb. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, all right, thanks guys. I'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye.